Why am I still wearing my headset? Why are you still wearing your headset? No idea. Let's put that down. <laughs> you know, people usually record podcasts with headsets and they can hear themselves in the headset. That seems annoying. I don't know if I'd be able to get used to that. <laughs> I assume you would eventually, right? Probably, but it just feels weird to me. Mm. Is this it? This is it. Is this the beginning? Yeah. Okay. Hello and welcome to Fuck Me Dead, the podcast that brings you the stories from Australia and his buddies that just make you say, fuck me dead. I forgot to think of some words to say beforehand, so I'm CJ. (laughs) Didn't make up a name. Forgot. Forgot. Totally forgot. <laughs> I'm Amanda. I'm not as creative. Welcome to podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Yeah. Episode 39. 39. That feels like a lot. Means there's only 13 episodes to go till we hit a year. Fuck. Technically less because we skipped one year, one week, I think, when we moved house. Yeah, we did. Mm. But I mean, that still means that we've been making the podcast for nearly a year. That's kind of crazy. How do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. Insightful. Insightful. I know. <laughs> I don't know, like, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the enthusiasm. Exactly. You're killing me with it. Yeah. This actually feels really weird to me because I'm not the one who's controlling the recording today. It just feels weird to me as well. I'm like, no, this sounds different. It's not right. Ugh. I'm used to being able to watch the levels in front of me. And now that it's not there, it feels very weird Whereas to me. I'm looking at the levels now. I'm like, is this right? Is, is that loud enough? I don't know. <laughs> as long as nothing touches both sides, it should be fine. Okay. How are you? Dizzy. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with you. Yeah, it happens sometimes. This is the first I've heard of it. Not very often. Okay. But, um, yeah, sometimes it might be around for a few days. We come to you from what week in isolation? I honestly don't know. I've I think been... it's the end of the first six weeks of stage four. I've been in isolation since March. Yeah. <laughs> I've barely left since March. So like, we're, we're literally at like the six month mark for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, March 20th was the day I... Last day I spent outside quarantine, technically. And I went in the week, week before. Prior. So it would pretty much be six months to the T at this point. Yeah. That's kind of wild to think about because it does not feel like it's been six months. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's gone by pretty damn quick. I also feel like it's the end of the year. So how is there still half a year on either side of quarantine? Yeah. Although it looks like this year is going to be bookmarked by fires at the start and fires at the end if California's anything to go by. There's already and um, the Siberia. fires in Australia. So... Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like the world is trying, well, not the world, the earth is trying to destroy Australia in one way or another this year. We'll see Hopefully, how this year's fire season shouldn't be as bad because most of it burnt last year. That's true. So there's not really That's too much. That's the hope, to I guess, burn. but we'll see. I don't want to regret saying that. So, well, it depends on how much regret there's been in the past 12 months. Not even, but I also feel like it's been quite dry recently, which is probably why there are already fires apart from last night we haven't really got that much rain we're only one part of the country i know but what i'm saying is that well that doesn't really matter that just means we can have fires here do you know what i mean yeah, i think we'll be okay in the middle of I think suburban we're fine. melbourne yeah we don't there's not really a lot to burn near us but you know i'm not really worried about me i know anyway that was a really depressing start to this yep we got to bring this up somehow what are your stories like what are my stories like? Mine are like pretty snappy, pretty pretty quick and to the point. Okay. I'm going to do the opposite of what I normally do. You know how like you usually can't get me to shut up? Yep. 
I'm just not going to say much. Oh. It's going to be all you. My last one is really quick because I wrote my first two and they both went on a lot longer than I expected them to. And then I was just, I realized I didn't really have a third quick story I want to do and I didn't want to do another long one of what I had bought. <laughs> Bookmarked. I got really lucky. I just whipped open news.com.au as my first option for searching. First story I saw on international headline. I was like, that'll do. <laughs> okay. Off we go. And it was like two paragraphs of shit and I was done. I was like, sweet, done. Easy. I'm also going to take a break from the Bass Strait oh. series because the next one I found was another plane one. I feel like we've spoken about planes too much recently. We need to break it up a bit. There are no aircraft in any of my stories. Mine either. So, But I am coming to you with another animal story for the third week in a row. Same. Technically two. I've got an animal story, sort of. I'm doing the emu war this week. Ooh. Oh, okay. So you're actually going to do it this week. Because I yeah. know I mentioned it to you earlier, but I didn't know if you're actually going to do it. Yeah, no. I thought, yeah, okay. No, I, I know nothing think, about the emu war. Which is weird to me because I'm at the point where I'm sick of hearing about the emu nah, war. Never really had any exposure. So I'll probably recommend you maybe go do a little bit more. Uh, if what I say about the emu war interests you, go have a look at some more videos. There's tons of stuff on YouTube about it because I'm so sick of hearing it. I think towards the end of it, I started skimping out. I'm like, oh, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> the fucking, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> it is, but whatever. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I might go first this week. Okay. I don't really have a reason for that. All right. I feel like we should end with yours is, is my logic behind that. Okay. My first story does involve an animal, but it's not really about the animal. A man in regional New South Wales was riding his horse down the road at an estimated speed of approximately 10 k's an hour when he was pulled over by police. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to guess what crime you think he was committing. Well, it can't be speeding. No, because 10 k is definitely not speeding. Was he naked? No, he was not naked. <laughs> I love that that's where your mind went. <laughs> then my next question would be drunk driving. Not question, guess. No, it wasn't that either. No. This is really stupid and mundane. Not wearing a mask? No. This is pre-Rona. I should... This happened in January. I don't know. The police stopped him because he was riding with a mobile phone to his ear. In New South Wales, a horse is technically a vehicle and there was no hands-free device installed. <laughs> yeah, but like the horse isn't going to just... <laughs> Spin out all of a sudden, you know? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's technically a Did, vehicle. Didn't we do a story once where a guy was pulled over by police for drunk driving on his horse? Or right, No. Or I've heard a story, at least, about a guy who goes to the pub drinking and he rides his horse there because the horse can walk back by itself when he gets on it. The logic <laughs> being, obviously, the horse isn't drunk and it knows the way home. Yeah, but so if you're doesn't... using a public road, it's still drunk driving. Is it, though? He's not in it control is. of the vehicle. It doesn't matter because the horse is still considered a vehicle and you're on it. Yeah, but the horse isn't drunk and it's not going to just veer <laughs> into traffic. I get what you're saying, but like if you look at the law and if you're saying that a horse is a vehicle, then you can't be... I mean, I guess if you're not in control. That doesn't matter though, I don't think. Why not? I, I think it's a good solution. <laughs> I'd ride a horse to the pub to drive me, to get me home. Yeah, but I still think that there's too many variables there where something could go wrong. Oh my goodness. Define vehicle. I think it also depends on what state you're in. Okay. No, no. This is fine. A thing used for transporting people or goods, especially on land, such as a car, lorry, or cart. It never says that it has to. It can't be a living thing. Mm -hmm. I still think it's stupid. I mean, I definitely think this one is stupid because how can you install a hands-free device on a horse? I was about to say, you know, connected to the horns, but horses don't have those. No, no. Horses really do not have horns. Or do they? Oh my God. Do, no, do they do, don't. Do, do, do. Get, a little, get a little helmet for it with a hands-free mount. <laughs> 
<laughs> the only thing that I could think of is maybe you could attach something to the saddle, but even then it's going to be real uncomfortable for you as the it's person. straight down your crotch and the other person's just FaceTiming it groin. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. There's no real good solution. Helmet. I also... You, either the horse wears a helmet with a stand on it for your phone or you've got a helmet that just holds your phone in front of you. I mean, that's also not a bad idea. I mean, door number two there, it's not a bad idea. But I also still think it's like silly to expect you to put a hands-free device on a living thing. Mm. It just doesn't seem to make any sense. I would, I would not have assumed that it would be illegal to talk on a phone on a horse. Yeah. Did he get charged? Yeah, he did. The man's solicitor described the case as trivial, and the man did end up pleading guilty because he conceded that the horse was in motion while he was using his phone. So he did he did get a fine. This is ridiculous. Like, are you, are you not seeing how stupid this yes, is? I don't it's think it should like, be fined. It's a law. I, I mean, it might technically be like a law, but you know what else is a law? Having X-rated porn in New South Wales, I don't think they bust in on adult stores for that. Is it? So the only state in Australia where X-rated porn is legal is the ACT. Which is so weird. Oh, wait. Sorry, I got ACT in South Australia mixed up. Never mind. Yeah. So only the politicians are allowed to have their, you know, down and dirty porn legal. Yeah, well... Aren't they some of the more likely ones to be in those elite pedophile rings? That's why there's so many adult stores in Canberra. Don't know if you notice that. No, but I've noticed there's every time I go to Brisbane, there's like one on every street corner. You know, there is a lot in Canberra. Hmm. And that's the reason why. Because technically in other states, it's not legal. When I go to Canberra, I really only go to like three places. Dan Murphy's and Woden. (laughs) Woden Food Court and Blagman's House. There's like, um, I think it's Fishwick in Canberra, mm-hmm. is basically just a sea of adult stores. Like, there's not a lot else in it. It's just mm. like a big industrial kind of section that's mostly... Why do you know all this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a real answer for you. Interesting. <laughs> but I do know that. I, I did know about the X-rated thing. So, like, yeah, okay, so that's also a law that doesn't make any sense, so it doesn't get enforced. Why the fuck did this cop pull over this guy on a horse? Like, it's so stupid. Whatever. Anyway. So, yeah, in New South Wales, a vehicle includes an animal-drawn vehicle or an animal being ridden. I just think it's dumb because the reason why we have those laws is so that you don't, like, stop paying attention to the road and veer into traffic or something going to see something coming. But it's a horse. A horse is going to look after itself. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know? The other side of that is that we're not talking about a busy street in a city or something. Mm. This is a rural area. He went to Mudgee Court, so it had to be somewhere within that vicinity. There's fucking nothing there. Did he ride his horse to court? That would have been so good if he had. I didn't I didn't read that. I feel like if he had it would have been in the article, but Did they question the horse in court? <laughs> Can you do that? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I guess my takeaway that was a whole story, but I think my takeaway is that maybe that People... law needs to be updated. Because yeah. I'm sure that law was made when there were no mobile phones. So maybe, maybe you well, need to redefine not... what a vehicle is. I was gonna say, Oh back in the olden days people used to give trials to like pigs and shit. What? Yeah. It used to be that animals had the same rights as humans in a court of law in some places. It was fucking weird. So in a way, I don't have, hate it. They'd have pigs sitting in the stand and there's a jury <laughs> convicting them and shit. And I was like, what the fuck? But like, how they were can usually give like, testimony? They were usually blamed for like worshipping Satan or some fucking oh, weird God. shit. And they were pretty much always found guilty. But, well, that, but that if a, horse, if a horse killed someone, they'd fucking put the horse on trial. But that seems unfair because they can't give testimony. How can it be a fair trial? Yeah. I haven't looked much into it. I just know it's a little thing that happened in history. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's weird. Stupid. Old-timey people are weird. <laughs> Speaking of old-timey things. Oh, nice segue. Two weeks ago, I spoke to you of Mittens. Mittens the kitten. And then last week, I discussed Paddy the Wanderer. Mm-hmm. 
Well, my dad informed me that before Paddy, who he was aware of, and he's been to the fountain, he's drunk from Paddy's fountain, because mm-hmm. he grew up in Wellington, there was yet another animal. So we step off the shores of Wellington, and I take you now into the Cook Strait of New Zealand, which is the water between the North and South Islands. Mm-hmm. It's renowned for, it's often just absolutely terrible weather. Like, okay. it's really hazardous for sailing and flying. Is this like the best strait? Come, I don't know, maybe, in a way. I wouldn't say it's a... Bermuda Triangle, we know why these things are sinking. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, technically, you know why they're sinking in the Bermuda Triangle and the Bass Strait as well, but that doesn't mean that you, there's not stories. Not that I've heard about. Okay. I've never looked into it, though. But it is also home to New Zealand's two worst maritime disasters. They both took place in the Cook Strait. Mm-hmm. The 1909 SS Penguin ferry sinking. Okay. Which killed 75 people. Oh, okay. And the 1968 Wahine ferry sinking, which is kind of interesting, and I might talk about it another day, so I'm not going to go into it too much. Okay. But they're always ferries. That's really weird. There's ferries that go between the North and South Island. That's how you cross them. Yeah, but like you don't often hear about ferries going down or crashing into something. Like, do you know what I mean? I would, the water, I would assume it's they're fairly really, safe. Like I said, it's a rough patch of ocean. Mm. It's very dangerous. So, And the it's not much better flying into Wellington. Like flying into Wellington is notorious because of the Cook Strait. Because the weather's right. shit. Okay. And Wellington's like known for raining sideways because of the fucking strait. Right, okay. So the weather sucks. Okay. Now, our new animal friend this week. It's a logical continuation. We had a cat. Okay. Then we had a dog. Okay. So what do you think we got this week? I have no idea. Well, we're going to talk about Polaris Jack. And he was a Risso's dolphin. Okay. (laughs) Aren't dolphins kind of assholes? Yep. Okay. <laughs> this one, not so much. Though. Not much. Okay, okay, cool. So, for 24 years between 1888 and 1912, Jack was sighted in the waters, well, the Cook Strait, and became famous for guiding ships safely through the rough waters. Okay. So what, like he just popped up and they followed him? Yeah. Okay. He'd show them the way. So named either for, there's a naval compass called a Polaris. Okay. Or there's also actually a sound in that part of New Zealand called the Polaris Sound, which is probably also named after the compass. Yeah, okay. Debates, whatever. Which one One of those was what Jack was named for. Right, okay. And he was a four meter long white Risso dolphin with typical gray. They've got like these weird gray marks and lines and scratching across them. I think I know which ones you're talking about. So it's just a dolphin. They're white, but then someone's taken like a gray Sharpie on them and scribbled all over them. So it's notable that it's a Risso dolphin. Or Risso's dolphins. I don't know who Risso is, but these are his dolphins. Okay. Because there have only ever been 12 recorded sightings of Risso's dolphins in New Zealand. So they're not common in that area? No, they do. They're pretty much found worldwide, except for mm-hmm. the Atlantic, I think. But right, okay. otherwise, they're not very common in New Zealand. The legend goes he'd swim alongside the ships to guide them. And reportedly, some ship crews would not even venture forth unless they could see Jack. Wow, I guess they waited. Supposedly, they waited for this dolphin. Right. There's been one story where they, someone said that, oh no, the boats would wait for Jack to come before. It's like they'd only do one crossing at a time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe. That, that's a bit far-fetched to me, but I guess. I think I buy it because, you know how people, I feel like especially like on ships and stuff, like omens are like important. Spend a lot of time at sea, you get kind of yeah. suspicious. Yeah, possibly. So, where was I? So, the Brindle, which is a schooner, small ship of sorts, mm-hmm. was the first ship to sight Jack in the French Pass, and initially the crew actually wanted to kill him. <gasps> that was what he did That's back then. Rude. The legend goes that the captain's wife talked them all out of it, and then to the crew's surprise, he proceeded to guide them through the narrow French Pass. Mm-hmm. Thus, the legend of Pelorus Jack was born. Okay. For the next six years, many ships and sailors and travellers sighted and were guided by Jack. Local papers reported on him, and there were even postcards made with his picture on them for people to sell. I've got Sorry, a question. Overseas. I really worded that badly. 
I've got a question. Yes. How do they know it was the same dolphin every time? Well, it's a very uncommon sighting of a, this particular dolphin. Yeah, but could still be different ones, no? The other thing is the Polaris dolphin is very, very social, so it's unusual for there to only be one. So what you're saying is that it may not have just been one? No, I'm saying it should just be the one. But if they're social, wouldn't they be in like a pod? That's why it's unusual. Right, But he okay. was never sighted with other dolphins. Oh, right, so he was never they seen with another dolphin. They only ever saw him right. by himself. So Okay. And there's photos and people seem to recognize him. Okay. He had a distinctive scar. Okay, okay. No, that was my question. How yeah. did they know that it was the same one every single time? But if he had, like, something yeah. distinctive about him, then that absolutely makes sense. The distinction about him was that he was the only Pol- Risso's dolphin in the area. Yeah. And there was no, he was never with any others. So, as I said, they had postcards made of him. People would travel all around, for, like, from, like, Mark Twain fucking came and visited this dolphin. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> So, all's well and good. He's guiding people around the waters. It's fine. Until 1904, when someone aboard the previously mentioned SS Penguin... I love that. ...shot at Polaris Jack. Why? I don't know. It could be a sailor. It could have been a traveler. I couldn't find much about it, but someone just on the ferry with a gun started shooting at the famous dolphin. Get fucked whoever that guy was. (laughs) Well, maybe this cursed the vessel. Because Jack continued to guide ships, so he disappears for a few weeks and he comes back. Reportedly, he did get injured. That's where he got his scar from. Right, okay. Now... He never went near the SS Penguin again. And then five years afterwards, the SS Penguin sinks in rough waters. That's what you get. That's what you get for shooting at shit you shouldn't be shooting at. <laughs> so, you know, people are like, well, if the, if the Penguin hadn't shot at him, yeah, he exactly. would have been there to guide them. But he wasn't, so... What turds? So due to the shooting, Jack became protected by New Zealand law. I was like, you weren't allowed to shoot him. <laughs> yeah, so in September 1904, he became like a protected individual. Oh, He's believed okay. to be the first individual sea creature to be protected by such a law in any country. Interesting. Yeah. So he continued on these dates, and he was last sighted in 1912, and then he just disappears. How how long do dolphins live? The Risso's dolphin will typically live somewhere between 20 to 40 years, apparently. That's quite a long time. So he spent 24 years just in the strait. Now, we do right. have photos of him, not very good ones, but they are there, mm-hmm. which is how he was identified as a Risso's dolphin. And the photos indicate that he was already quite an old dolphin at the time. So I'm willing, I, I'm quite... That he died of old I, age. I accept that he just probably died of old age. Okay. There are, of course, rumors that someone hunted him or he was killed in something else or he just fucked off to wherever else he finally left. I mean, I guess there is, you know, a possibility that he did just fuck off somewhere else because he felt like it. But after 24 years, I kind of feel like he probably yeah. just died. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sort of seems like the most It was an logical. old dolphin. He went down. Yeah. But here's the kicker, right? Most of this is quite likely made up. Ah, Why? <laughs> I hate that. I wanted this to be a real story. Well, the good news is Jack did exist. Okay. We know that Polaris Jack must have existed because one, there's so many reports of him being sighted. Mm-hmm. Two, there's a fucking law yeah, okay. in New Zealand history about him. So the dolphin definitely existed. <laughs> but all contemporary accounts from the era from that time report that he was just being a dolphin. Right, okay. There's no recordings of from that time specifically of when he was being sighted, that he was actually guiding ships. Risso's dolphins are known, I mean, a lot of dolphins do this, of playing in like the wake and the wave and the bow waves yeah, of boats. Yeah, yeah. It's likely that's all he was doing. So he was he like wasn't actually guiding Being a anyone. dolphin. Yeah. Okay. He was just being a dolphin. Yeah, but that's the thing, like, maybe maybe that is the case, but people were probably thinking that he was guiding them. But really, like it could, just you could him. be right there. Additionally, he wouldn't stay with ships for the whole journey. And there aren't actually, there's no written stories of anyone saying, I'm not going to go yet. I'm going to wait for the fucking dolphin. Oh, look, I think over time things get embellished and stuff like that. But he was also known for swimming along with your boat and then you pass another vessel. He just fucks off to that ship. (laughs) Or he might only pop up for one 
visit. So what you're saying is that he was um he was easy for, yes. for ships. Okay. There is a uh, in in one of the sources I used, you can go link it. It's um you know Simon Whistler. Today I found out those other videos that you, you know who he is. You yeah, I know ones. who yeah. he is. Yeah. He did a video on Boris Jack. Right. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I watched that. and He's the one who like brought up all his accounts. I'm like, oh, okay. So it might not have been a real thing. Well, the I dolphin was real. I have a feeling, but I like, especially because anyone. there was like a law and everything like that. I think it may have been that people thought he was guiding them, but really he just being a dolphin. Either way, people liked him. He was yeah. a tourist attraction. Okay. Um, the it's other like the theory is that that shooting never actually happened. Well, like I said, you got to embellish. You got to make the story good. Yeah, but you it know? is known that he didn't like the penguin. That part's true. That's weird. So it's thought that maybe. The penguin accidentally hit him at one point or he got injured Maybe. by it. So that's why he stayed away from it or whatever. So he did get injured at some point in 1904. Whether or not he was shot or if he was just hit by the boat, it's not known. He had a scar. He had a scar. But that Maybe was, he did he, get shot. Well, that's why the 1904, in 1904 is when he gets the scar. Mm-hmm. The story is he got shot by someone on the penguin. Yeah. But there's no evidence of anyone ever shooting off the bow of the penguin. Like that would be a reported incident. There's no would record it? of that. I think so. That's kind of fucking weird that someone just starts firing a live rifle off the side of a boat. Well, clearly. I know there's probably some America's listeners right now being like, no, nah, that sounds about right. But, <laughs> you know, the rest of the country looks sensible. Not down here. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not down this way. Um, I don't know. They clearly did something. Maybe it wasn't a rifle. Mm. Clearly, they something did something happens, to him. Though, because he got pr- that was the incident that made him protected. Mm. So something okay. happened to Jack in 1904. Maybe it was like a fucking big spear or something. Maybe it was a, what are those, like, the spear gun things? I don't think spear guns existed in no? that era. But really? Not, not handheld ones. Okay, well, it, I'm not saying it had to be a handheld one. Just so I mean, the handheld motion doesn't mean that's what I I know, but how would you mount one on a ferry without someone noticing? I don't fucking know. Anyway, let's carry on. <laughs> The, the first solid report of Jack supposedly guiding ships through the Cook Strait is from five years after he disappears. Okay. So I think, personally, what I think must have happened is this fucking dolphin's being sighted. So one of the ferrymen said he saw him on every single trip except for one that he ever did of the crossing. And he thinks that time he just didn't look soon enough for the dolphin. So he was right, well okay. sighted. The dolphin disappears five years later because the story turns up in like England or something. Okay. So someone over there, they're just telling a fucking yarn about this dolphin way back over in New Zealand, and that's how it started. You know, I, I think it was just some Kiwi at some pub somewhere was like, yeah, it was a fucking dolphin that would guard ships. It's been five years. Build up I, a legend. I think that if anything is known, it's that there's a thing that New Zealanders and Australians have in common. Yeah. And that's the ability to tell a good yarn. Yeah. I also think it's interesting, um, the Brindle origin story could be made up as well. Okay. Certainly Wikipedia had no highlight hi- hyperlink for the Brindle, so it may not have even a real, like, I don't know if the ship was real or not. I didn't think to look into it. Okay. I don't know how easy we need to find out about a small schooner in New Zealand from 1888. Can't imagine there's a lot of records of that. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, It also found it interesting that he kept the contemporary reports describe him as a fish. So I think this was before they'd been defined as mammals. Yeah, I was going to say, would we even know at that point that they were mammals? Yeah, I'm assuming that we weren't aware they were mammals at that time. Okay. I I just thought that was fun. Um, There is a report of... About half a century prior to Polaris Jack of a school of Risso's dolphins being seen in the Polaris Sound. So one theory is that he was the last surviving member of that school. Okay. Or pod, I guess. It's a dolphin. It's pods, pod, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Another thing is that they are very social animals. Mm-hmm. So it's often thought that also he might have just been lonely and bored. Aww. So he was looking to the ships for company, which is why he was so active. Yeah. Them. That's why so many people seen him. So in his legacy... Horace Jack leaves behind a Scottish country dance named in his honour. Okay. 
being identified as a sea god who guided the first of the, and I'm going to say this wrong because I have never heard this word before, I'm afraid, the Ningati Kuai, Kuia, Ningati Kuia, it's a group of Maori people who first okay. settled on the southern island because most Maoris lived on the North Island. Okay. Very, very few on the South Island. So their legend is a sea god guided them across the strait. Someone was like, oh yeah, Plaus Jack, that was a sea god. Could be, maybe. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> I'm sorry, Look, it's but more, it's more fun. It's a fun story. It's more fun to think about the other exactly. way. Uh, he was mentioned in a 1932 novel, although in that book he lived in Sydney Harbour instead of in New Zealand. Nah, that's a seal. <laughs> that is a seal. I've seen that seal. I wonder if he's still there. Yeah, I was going to say, um, for anyone who's not from Sydney or hasn't been to There's Sydney. There's a seal that lives in the opera house. Yeah, so like at, like at the back of the opera house, which like... Literally backs onto Sydney Harbour. There's a seal that just hangs out there. Yeah, it was a single fur seal by himself. Yeah, he's always on his own. Never any other ones around him. He just hangs out there on his own. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. There were two bulldogs who served as mascots on board the HMN, sorry, the HMS New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It was a warship, uh, one in 1913 to 1916, and the other from 1916 to 1919. They were named Polaris Jack 1 and 2. Oh, okay. And the Inter-Islander Ferry Company has used them as a mascot since 1989, because they are a ferry service that ships between the North and South Island. I may have been on their boats, I do not know. <laughs> and as I mentioned, one time Mark Twain went to see him. Wow. I mean, that's that's a claim to fame. I suppose. There we go. So he was a world-famous dolphin. That I've never heard of. Yes. <laughs> Well, I hadn't heard of him either. I mean, this was a hundred year old story. Now. I was just going to say, we don't have any fun stories like that anymore, do we? Yeah, well, really out, mittens is contemporary. I guess. He's not out there guiding ships through the fucking well. I was going to say, we don't have any like good old timey sea tales or like nothing like that happens anymore. No more sea shanties. I guess, well, the world's. I mean, we don't use ships anywhere near as much as we used to, I guess. I'd say we probably use them more than we ever have before. Oh, really? No, cargo that gets shipped around. See, I kind of thought that most stuff went by air these days. Nah. No? Depends what it is. Like, I think most goods, you put them in a bloody 20-foot container at one port and they get... It's really sad, probably, but shipping containers are just physical internet. It's fucking amazing. You put anything in the world into a shipping container and it will just go through the system and pop out the other end. Like the internet, but physical. And a lot slower. And a lot slower. (laughs) Yeah. It's really cool, though. Standardized shipping containers. If you want, go check out Wendover Productions on YouTube. They've got a great video about shipping containers. I was going to say, I don't really know that much about <laughs> shipping at all. It's or really, boats. I, I, or... I found it weirdly <laughs> fascinating. But I can understand anyone who's like, fuck, that sounds boring, CJ. I'm not going to go do that at all. Wow, I can't wait I to mean... learn about fucking shipping containers. Wish I, mean... I could get excited about shipping containers, CJ, you fucking nerd. I mean, I'm not going to rush to watch it. But I believe that you were fascinated by it. It was cool. I liked it. Okay, so from one story about an animal to another. And then I'll be going into the emu war, so it's a fucking animal planet here today. <laughs> I'm going to talk about a spider. Incy bitsy spider. But it's not a spider that is native to Australia. Climb so I'm kind of stretching. Spout. I'm kind of stretching Does the Does it have any ties to Australia? It, well, we have one in this room right now. So. Ooh. They're definitely here. I think they were at, they were introduced. A but father long legs, <laughs> or as they're most commonly known, a daddy long legs. Which is interesting because what a daddy long legs is in varies from country to country. Yeah, I don't know how ours differ from other countries. I've seen some things that are called daddy long legs that have wings. What the fuck? Okay, that definitely so is not long legs. Long legs. Yeah. Certainly in Australia, New Zealand, and New Guinea, the thing over there in the corner of our room that's a daddy long legs. Yeah. <laughs> a long, lanky boy spider. Yeah, like our daddy long legs just have like super fucking long legs and a tiny little thin body. Yeah. That's it. 
That's all they are. There's not much to them. Legs. They're just legs. Yeah, mostly legs. 90% legs. <laughs> yeah, probably more than that. <laughs> yeah, probably more than that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen a Daddy Long Legs, if they're not in your country, when I Googled it, it pretty much said that they were in European countries and America has them. So I assume that most of the Western world has Daddy Long Legs. I assume most places have something called a Daddy Long Legs. Probably. But it varies what that thing is. I mean, I didn't see any, like, Asian countries listed or what other continents are missing? African? Yes, but I... So I'm assuming they're not everywhere in the world. Maybe countries that are more likely to speak English, given it's called a daddy long legs. Okay, fair (laughs) point, fair point. So I'm going to say that most places in the world probably have some version of a daddy long legs. So you probably know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, it's just like a common house spider that just hangs out in the corner, doesn't do very much. Yeah. That's it. Do they even make webs? They do make webs. Okay. You're thinking of huntsmen's. They don't. They do not make webs. I wish all. they did and that Same. they were smaller. Because <laughs> instead of evolving to make webs, they're just like, I'll be fucking huge. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to be the biggest, hairiest spider you can imagine in your house. And then one day, I'm just going to peer at a wall. And you're not going to know where I came from, but I'm just going to be here. And I'm going to scare the shit out of you. Yeah, always. But also, I'm not a threat. <laughs> yeah, no, they are the puppy dogs of the spider world. They cannot hurt you. They're just there and they're big and they're fluffy. That's it. <laughs> terrifying. But they're terrifying. <laughs> I hate them. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the daddy long legs. So what's the one thing that you know about daddy long legs that I feel like gets repeated through eternity? Yeah, okay. I'm, I know this is made up. I'm fairly certain it is. But the Why would you reveal is, that already? That it's a rumor. Sorry, but <laughs> I'm, it's who I am. The rumor is that the daddy long legs is the most venomous spider in the world, but its fangs are too short to pierce your skin. I always heard that their fangs were too bent, but For whatever, whatever. reason, they can't bite you. Yes. For some reason, they can't bite you, so therefore they can't kill you. Well, because there's too much fucking legs and they can't bend down far enough to reach your arm. <laughs> Now, that is not true. They most definitely can bite you. (laughs) They can actually bite you. They can bite you, yes. I remember hearing about it at school all the time when kids would tell each other, oh my God, daddy long legs, they're so venomous. If they bite you, you'll die, but they can't bite you. So remember that heaps at school. (laughs) In between drawing those fucking S's and shit. Oh, yeah. And if you were me grabbing Spitfires in the the back, in the oval. You didn't have that experience. No. We went over before, but... I no, but my, me and my class once devoured an entire honeysuckle plant. <laughs> you pick the flowers off, you suck the nectar out the back of it. That's <laughs> like honey. I mean, that definitely is a school activity. Yep. Anyway, the truth is, as I just said, daddy long legs can absolutely bite you if they want to. There is nothing stopping them. Their fangs are not bent or too small or any of that other stuff. If if you endanger them and you're close enough, you can absolutely get bitten. Mess with um, there was daddy, even a Mythbusters episode. Sorry. Mess with the daddy, get the fangy. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying really hard to think of something funny, but I was like, that's all I got. That's all I got. There was a Mythbusters episode where they baited one to bite them. Mm-hmm. So, proven can bite you. The other side of this is that their venom is completely harmless to humans. So, they have venom, but if you as a person gets bit, it's not going to do anything. Really. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit of a rash. Like, you'll get a bite wound, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but it will burn for a couple of seconds, and then that's it. That's it? The end. Exciting. The thing is, in comparison to other spiders in Australia, really fucking boring. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Um, it's no uh, Redback or Funnel Web or any of that kind of stuff. Really should not be alarmed if you get bit by a day long legs. Is it here we have those bird eating spiders or is that South No, America? that's somewhere else we don't have them. Okay. So I guess the other side of that is because the truth is to the rumor, the complete opposite. Because mm. one, they can bite you and two, they're not venomous to humans at all. And I did read because I was like, well, if they're not venomous to humans, what are they venomous to? Because if they still have venom. Flies. So yeah, literally insects. The things they eat? Yeah. Um, and apparently, like, if they bit a mouse, it might affect them a little bit, but they still won't die. Yeah. Well, it doesn't make sense why that creature would evolve a poison to kill things it doesn't hunt. I know yeah. other creatures have, but like, maybe they're just a bit excessive. I don't know. I, I just... Extra, if you will. The other thing is that I don't feel like a daddy long legs is really hunted by humans. Because we don't give a shit when they turn up. They're just like, oh yeah, they hang out in the corner and whatever. Because they're harmless. Exactly. Mm. I guess which one comes first. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, so how did the mist start? Apparently, it's because in a one-on-one fight, a daddy long legs would beat a redback. Well, they're a lot bigger. And it's not anything to do with venom at all. Okay. It's everything to do with how they physically are. So I think because that's true, people went, oh, well, instead of looking into how they would actually beat them, it must be the venom. It must be the venom if they bite the, the redback. It must that, be really venomous. Uh, I guess the people at the time must have thought all spider venom was the same. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> okay. It's a, it's a really weird one. But in reality, the way a daddy long legs would win is because their legs are so long that the redback wouldn't actually be able to bite them. Mm. Um, I was so, thinking that. How would the redback get yeah. daddy long legs? So basically they would hold them at a distance and, you know, spit their silk at them and wrap them without them ever actually getting close enough to bite them. You know, there's just kind of cool. <laughs> cranes that they use on docks to pick up shipping containers. Yeah. It's like- shipping containers. And there's like the big shape comes over, bends down, picks up the red bag. Mm-hmm. What was the red bag going to do? Tiny little stupid thing. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's it. I just thought that was funny because I definitely remember hearing that, like, you know, that they're so Ooh. venomous when I was in like school and stuff. And I read a... Uh, article from Australian Geographic the other week and I was like oh I'm definitely bookmarking that because that's weird but yeah that's it interesting just thought that was interesting time for you to learn about the emu war something that I know nothing about and this is my first story set in Australia in quite some time <laughs> everything last week was in New Zealand mm. and I think I did two New Zealand stories to end it with so been a while since I spoke about anything in Australia well so we live maybe you should talk about it a bit more <laughs> <laughs> we're going back a few years how many years? It is November 1932. The Great Depression grips the world. German President Hindenburg is beginning negotiations with Adolf Hitler about the formation of a new government. Franklin D. Roosevelt is elected president of the United States. Buck Rogers in the 25th century debuts. That was the first sci-fi show ever broadcasted on radio. Wow. Okay. Mm. The FBI crime lab opens for the first time. Wow. And the Swiss military guns down 13, killing them and injures another 60 at a socialist and anti-fascist protest oh. in Geneva. I listened to a podcast about that not long ago. That was a very sad story. Yeah, I've, I'd never heard of that. So I was like, what the fuck? When did that happen? Oh, really? You've never heard of that before? I'd never yeah, heard no, of the uh, very Geneva sad. Massacre. This is like when I learned about the Rwandan genocide. Never heard of it until the 20th anniversary. Turned on the TV one day, I was in China. Rwandan genocide, 20 years later. I'm like, the what? <laughs> and then I was watching it. I'm like, this fucking happened while yeah. I was alive? And Well, okay, I was one year old. But. But still. I couldn't believe I'd gone 21 years of my life and never heard about it. Anyway, I guess that really shows how much the rest of the world cares about what happens in Africa. I mean, sad, but probably a bit true. Meanwhile, in the newly independent Australia, remote state, Western Australia, far off the world's radar, a fact that has not changed to this day, a bloody conflict is about to erupt. (laughs) Oh, dear. The 7th Heavy Battery of the Royal Australian Artillery is deployed to Campion, I think? Camp Ion? 
I don't know how you meant to say I, it. I have no idea. Never heard of I'm this sorry. place. It's in WA, though. Roughly halfway between Perth and Kalgoorlie. Armed to the teeth with two Lewis automatic machine guns and 10,000 rounds of ammunition. The worst thing is I know they lose. I'm like, how? Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like that's a, a well-known like well known fact. Yeah. It is their task to defend Australia from hostile emu activity. Now, the 10,000 rounds and like on a machine gun, you're like, oh yeah, well, the Louis gun can only hold 42 at a time. Right, okay. They have these weird, if anyone's played Battlefield 1, they're in that. I think they made it to Battlefield 2 as well. But I like the look of them. Because, like, they're just like a big fucking pipe with a huge fucking hole on the end of it. Mm. And on top of them, you know in Rainbow Six Siege, Tachunga's machine gun? <laughs> yeah. And it's got that disc. Yep. That rotates? They had those as well. Okay. Mm. <clears throat> Emu had invaded from the interior of the country in search of water and began feasting on the abundant wheat farms. <sighs> Shortly after being deployed, the first enemy attack came into sight. A flock of 50 emus were sighted. Company commander Major GPW Meredith immediately ordered an attack, circle the enemy, and drive them towards the Lewis guns. The emus, in reaction, split into two smaller groups and ran, providing difficult targets. A cunning tactic. Okay, the thing the thing I'm thinking about this is that like I think it's been well known and well documented on this podcast that I hate emus. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I hate them. They're awful. I still don't want to shoot a load of them. I just don't want them near me. Well, good news is they're in WA. I mean, but I mean, there's emus everywhere. But this seems mean. It's the 30s. I was just thinking that before. I'm like, if this happened today, oh god, no. could you imagine? Like, oh, it, it just Jesus wouldn't Christ. happen. No. Like, the good news is emus are not endangered. Not even. They're to not stay, at all. So it's. It's kind of like kangaroos. There's an abundance. <laughs> and they're good eating. Okay. I'm sure emus are probably good eating, too. It's just a big chicken. I don't know if I've ever had an emu. I haven't had an emu either. It's on my to-do list. The fighting rages late into the day, and by its end, a dozen birds lay dead. A dozen. A dozen. <laughs> they have machine guns, and a dozen of them died. There are no casualties on the Australian side. Thousands of emus escape in the retreat. Blood had been drawn, and as the sun set on the dusty red land, the Great Australian Emu War had begun. I only wrote the Great Australian Emu had begun. <laughs> thank God that I, really changes thank, the meaning of that thank sentence, Thank God I it? caught that. <laughs> Many farmers across the strait had petitioned the government for military aid after some 20,000 emus had wandered into the region. <laughs> to me, that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> Just a horde of emus. There was some picture, like modern pictures of like a, f- a huge herd of emus just moving through the outback. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, no thanks. They're packed in like sheep. It's weird. Ugh. Are they pack animals? I wouldn't have thought so. Birds? I believe so because they don't. It's weird because an emu lion, what do they have to fear in the wild, really? Anything comes to fuck up with them, they're just going to kick it. Yeah. Same with ostriches. You know, you know the whole bit about ostriches shove their heads in the sand? Mm. No fucking way. They've got two options. One, they'll kick you and you'll die. Or two, they'll just fucking run off because they're fast as hell. Yeah. So emus are pretty much the same thing, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I still think they just are social animals. Okay, so that's fair. Most birds are. I guess that's why you have, like, flocks of birds. Yeah, okay, makes sense. Sorry. Many of these farmers are World War I veterans, given land and unfulfilled promises from the government to move out in the barren landscape to take up farming. Ugh, couldn't make The government said, plant more wheat, we'll subsidise you. The farmers did. The subsidies never came, and the price of wheat only continued to fall. Then came the emus. <laughs> so that's, that's how this all started. These fucking emus turn up. These farmers are already, like, out there in the middle of fucking nowhere. They got nothing. They just survived World War I. It's fucking shit. Yeah. The government's fucking them over. And these fucking emus turn up and eat all their crops. So, like, the emus probably migrated because there was wheat. Yeah, well, the, the-, well, the theory is they were looking for water because there was a bit of a drought. And then they walked into this massive wheat belt that was building in WA. And they're like, sweet. 
Get some bread. I don't think Australia's ever had a bit of a drought. Yeah. <laughs> Two days into the war, Meredith and his man laid an ambush near a local dam. Over 1,000 emus were spotted approaching their position. The bi- the beads, the birds drew near, unaware. God, why did I write it like this? It's so awkward to say. <laughs> the birds drew near, unaware of the cunning digger's master plan that was about to befall them. Emus were in range! Open fire! A hail of fire spat forth from the gaping barrels of the Louis guns into the horde of emu, the distinctive disc magazine rotating as 12 birds hit the floor. But suddenly, disaster strikes. Both guns fall silent. They're jammed. Oh my god. (laughs) The guns fucking jammed. While the Aussie diggers desperately trying to fix the guns, the emus seized the opportunity and sped off at full speed. 50 kilometers per hour across the horizon. That's how fucking fast these birds are. Jesus Christ. 50 kilometers an hour. That fast. By the time the guns were ready, the emu were long gone. Only 12 had been killed. Of a thousand. How about a shot of these guys? Like A victory for the emu. People are stupid. I'm, I'm sorry. A week after the war began, the Australian troops were recalled. Approximately 2,500 rounds had been fired, killing somewhere between a recorded 50 or 200 emus. So they don't even know how many they killed. Not a lot, though. Yeah, no, 20,000 birds at most, only 200 killed. That's bad odds. However, no Australians had been killed in the conflict. The question was raised if medals should be made for the conflict because it was was an official military campaign. That's so stupid. (laughs) Those get medals of service. Did they? The debate ended when Federal Labor Parliamentarian A.E. Green said the medals should be awarded to the emus as they had won every round so far. (laughs) Okay, I love that. Defence Minister George Pierce, who had organised and mobilised the military for the conflict, earned the unofficial title of Minister for the Emu War. Imagine being given that? <laughs> well, that's just what they're calling him around the water cooler, I guess. I guess they didn't have those then. Whatever they had back then. The communal cigarette or something. Yeah, probably. A second emu war would be fought a few days after the initial retreat of the Aussies. This time, Australia reported 300 confirmed kills against the enemy. If we're being generous, this puts Australia at 500 kills. 19,500 emus remain. <laughs> after this is two take fucking ever. separate military campaigns. <laughs> well, the campaign's a bit overblown, but you get the idea. I mean, technically, that's what it was. By early December, Meredith and his men reported they had killed 986 birds with 986 rounds. Exactly 10 bullets per emu. That's a little bit too tidy for my liking, Yeah, Meredith. same. I think that might be a made-up number. Meredith further claimed that 2,500 additional kills could be counted due to injuries dealt to emus that had successfully fled the battlefield. Oh, so what, you, you injured a bird yep. and then it eventually died. So you're going to count he that as a success? He thinks it probably died. Oh, so he doesn't even know. <laughs> so he's just crediting himself with more deaths that he has no idea if they actually did or not. Yep. What an idiot. <laughs> Honestly, how do we balls this up so bad? Despite losing both wars, the farmers again requested military assistance against the emu in 1934, 1943, and one last time in 1948. I mean, just give up. Give them the weight. Each time, the government declined, no doubt aware they had no chance against such an advanced enemy army. (laughs) Instead, an old 1923 emu bounty was reissued, and in 1934 alone, the bounty on emu resulted in 57,034 emu bounties being claimed in only six months. How many fucking emus are there? I don't know, but it looks like the farmers could fix the problem themselves. That's pretty much it. That's the story of the emu war. Okay. In the end, they just got the farmers to kill them and offered people money for doing it. (laughs) It's probably still cheaper. (laughs) It probably was. And they even at one point were just giving the farmers free ammunition to do it. Mm, So 
Again, like I said, I kind of skimped out towards the end because I'm sick about hearing the emu war because it's... I, I get... When I first heard about it, I'm like, this is the fucking funniest story ever. <laughs> but I'm so sick of people like, ah, oh, the emu war! I'm like, just shut up. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm like that with everything, you know? I enjoyed Portal the first time I played it. Fucking can't stand Portal now because everyone's like, oh, Portal, cake's a lie! <laughs> shut oh, up. Oh, God. I shut the fuck up. <laughs> Calm down. Jesus Christ. I, it's just something I have. Where the more popular something is, the more people go on and on about it. I can't stand it anymore. Yet I fucking like memes. What's wrong with me? But if you'd like to know more about the Emu War, just go on YouTube. There's so many great videos. (laughs) I really like um, Salmonella had a good video on it. Salmonella Mm -hmm. Academy, I think. Simon Whistler, he's probably done a video on it. Probably. Fucking done a video on everything. Um, But yeah, if that story entertained you, and I can probably understand why it would, I had a bit of fun writing it at the start. I mean, there is a part of me that doesn't enjoy that we're laughing about the death of emus for for nothing than being an emu. They won. It's all right. I mean, I don't like them, but I also don't wish death upon them. I just (laughs) wish them to not be near me. (laughs) They're not near you. Exactly. And that's good. Yeah, but I guess it's kind of like now where we have kangaroo culling and stuff, which I also don't know if I really agree with personally. I do know that they can be a pest, but yeah, I don't know. Especially like literally kangaroos and emus are the animals on our coat of arms, and, and we, eat we both kill of them. them. You <laughs> like, eat and kill both of them. Yeah, <laughs> rather kill and then eat. But. I don't know. It's just a uh, seems a bit not right to me for some reason. Nah, should be right. Yeah, the emu war. The emu war, which we lost. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I enjoyed that, even if you didn't. <laughs> My last story is about another an, another of uh, Australia's dumbest criminals, and this one is a doozy. I do like dumb criminals. There are a lot of details in this one, but I kind of cut a lot of them out because they were irrelevant to the outcome. Okay. So if you want more details, they even get, they even gave like a, a, a breakdown of all of the steps that it took to get this guy, and I'm like, he was literally outside the police station, but cool, whatever. <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you want to go read the Daily Mail article that has a lot more details, go have at it. But I promise you, they don't take anything, like me cutting them doesn't take anything away from the story. So a man, he was driving a van. This van had 130 million worth of meth in boxes in the back. Cool. He, uh, was driving by Eastwood Police Station in New South Wales and he crashed into two of the parked cop cars. Was he on the meth? It doesn't seem like it. Because the reason from the, for the crash was a micro-sleep. I don't think he was on meth mm. and having a micro-sleep. Maybe he should have been. <laughs> I literally wrote in my notes, sounds like he could have used some of that meth. Because <laughs> I better not use this meth in case I get pulled over. Yeah. Crashes into a police station. Oh, man. <laughs> well, at least they won't get me for being on drugs. What the fuck? How does this happen? <laughs> you would think that if you have that much meth in the back of the van, right, that you would be on high alert going past a police station. No? No. He just ran into two of them. Well, that just says to me that he he's He took, de- like, one of the front clean off. One of the cop cars. He's like. probably done this many times before. He's very casual about it. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> so, he... This is during the day, as well, I might add. This is broad daylight that he did this. Oh, yeah. It's suspicious if it's at night time. <laughs> at first, the man tried to claim, when, was, when he was questioned by police officers about running into two of their cars, that he was delivering food. Food. But the cops didn't trust that. And I have to wonder, like, how was he that they went, oh, no, this guy's not delivering food. He must have been, like, jittery and nervous and stuff. Or was he already known to the police? It didn't say that he was. Mm. I assume that if he was, that would have been mentioned. Yeah. So I don't think so. Okay. So he must have been acting real cagey or something for them to go, mm, let's search the van. Uh, and he had many. I just feel like that's standard procedure, though, for the police, isn't it? What? To search a car? In a crash, maybe? No. I don't think no, so. No, no. I don't Ignore think it is that. standard. I'm I don't think it is. Maybe I'm on meth. 
<laughs> no, I definitely don't think it is standard procedure to um, uh, search a car in an accident. I don't think that is. Unless like something they have happened. reason. Exactly. So he must be been acting real weird. <laughs> So they found many cardboard boxes in the backs with a total of 260 kilos of meth. We have a street value of 130 million. It's <sighs> a lot of meth. Fuck, dude. You fucked up. The man was I carrying- think you could have afforded to have a coffee <laughs> or a fucking <laughs> right? a V or something, bro. A Red Bull. Something. 130 million. That's more than- How much? 130 million. Yeah, 130 million. Hey, you had more riding in the back of your truck than that fucking idiot in New Guinea last week exactly. with a bloody plane. So the man was carrying 500 times more than what is considered to be a large amount. I, like, I don't think this is normal to have the, for, a, like, for cops to find this much mess in one place. So they've gone straight to the wholesaler, not the regional distributor. Exactly. Mm. What the fuck? I mean, unfortunately for the cops, the man turned out to just be the courier. So he didn't even know that it was meth? So he, I think he knew it was meth, but he did try to sort of claim he was naive to what it actually was. But I think he did know because he refused to give details for who gave it to him. Yeah. Which, if you're carrying that much meth, don't tell them because you will be dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get why he didn't tell them. I wonder how much he gets paid to deliver that much meth. Yeah, I mean, that's... I'm, What's his I'm share of the curious. cut? Because it would have to be a fair, decent amount. Well, I guess if, they, if, they, he's, if he's scared of them, he's not going to fuck with the shipment. But No. He picked up the drugs from a Pizza Hut outlet. So he got from a Pizza Hut outlet, eh? So he, he got them... He picked up the drugs from a Pizza Hut outlet, which I just think is kind of funny. Um, but he wasn't high What is in that stuffed crust? Uh, I don't know. Is this... <laughs> I don't think like they'd that be guy, wasting the meth on the pizza. I think there was a guy in China who was putting like opium or something in his fucking noodle soup to get customers to come back. Oh my god. <laughs> pizza Hut is putting meth in the pizzas. <laughs> you really, really can't say that. <laughs> we're not saying they're actually doing that. We're just we're just joking. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Don't want to get sued by Pizza Hut. Because, you know, I really love their... What are those boxes called? Look, Pizza Hut, if you don't want us to make fun of you, open up a fucking Pizza Hut in Melbourne. Yeah, or just like near us because I can't get the... What are those boxes called? Sides boxes. The sides boxes. Man, they're so good. And I haven't had one in so long because it's not near us. Anyway. (laughs) I've just been nothing but disappointed by Melbourne Pizza. Oh, we've... we've we found finally one. found one that's pretty okay. It's okay. I won't say it's the greatest pizza we've ever had, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah. It's satisfactory. Yeah. Wouldn't go above that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not raving about it. <laughs> Honestly, though, in Melbourne, where we live, there's no fucking pizza huts and there's no Aportos. Shocking. Honestly. Anyway, sorry. Sidetrack there for my passion for a porto. Um, so, so we yeah, can't even man- drive to the nearest a porto because it's f- over 5k away. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Like, we can't it's have illegal for us to visit a porto right now. Fucking hell. Anyway. <laughs> He wasn't high up in the drug syndicate, but the incident of them recovering the drugs, like the cops recovering the drugs, considered to be, you know, like it's one of the biggest drug busts in Australia. Yeah. Um, and so they- It, it they, came right to them. Yeah. So they're saying that it's like of great benefit to the community that he did have this accident because obviously the drugs got seized and were never distributed, um, which is just kind of crazy to think about. So this Maybe like, he did it on purpose. Unsung hero. I don't Probably not. think so. No, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> So this happened back in July, which was only two months ago. Fuck. Anyway, um, but the reason it's come up in the news again is because he finally got sentenced. Actually, that's not that long. That was actually a pretty quick turnaround. Maybe it happened a month and a half. Maybe it happened in July in 2019 because anyway. that's too quick. Sorry. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he got sentenced and he was jailed for a non-parole period of four years with a maximum sentence of six and a half. Jeez. Or for just being the fucking courier. That's got to suck. He should have watched those ads with that guy about microsleeps. <laughs> You know the ones? 
I think it sucks for him because, like, obviously he's technically doing something illegal, but he has nothing to do with making the drugs or, you know, selling it or no, that's why you know, all of the things years. that, like, you know, you would consider quite serious, um, like, like a, of a drug offense. Mm. But I guess it's not every day that you catch people. He's got people. the hardest punishment we've seen handed out in a while. That's kind of sad. <laughs> there you go. You get more and more in trouble for messing around with drugs than you do for, like, raping and murdering a woman. That's terrible. Yes. Um, yeah. Now that you put it in that perspective, because I thought four years, you know, that's not that's not too long. You could survive that and probably still get a job afterwards. But when you... Probably not a courier for drug running, but... <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine, like, applying to be an actual courier after that? I've had experience. I've <laughs> got experience. <laughs> I mean, I did crash into a cop car on the job, but... I was I shipping experience. Australia's largest shipment of meth. <laughs> Put that on a resume. I don't think so. It's an impressive feat. You probably shouldn't, but... <laughs> but no, when you put that in perspective to the stories that I've told in recent times of, yeah, raping and murdering, the punishments were less. Mm. That's kind of horrendous. It's okay, though, because they're winning the war on drugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, we're at the end. Yeah, we're up to the last story and we're it's at, real good. It's a real quick one. Okay. It's also about making some money. Okay. Mistake at the Royal Mint in the year 2000 could mean your $1 coin is worth thousands. Ooh. This is why I was asking you if you had any $1 coins. I have no today. cash. I have not carried cash in a long time. So if you're looking to make a quick buck, well, the Australian $1 coin that you've had lying around your house for no use because it's $1 and that won't buy you shit in this country and who the fuck uses cash anymore, <laughs> especially coins. Well, personally, I feel a $4,000 return on a $1 coin is a great offer. Maybe we should start using cash for everything. <laughs> Get one of these coins. Yeah. <laughs> So back in the year 2000, the Royal Australian Mint uh, kind of fucked up and they printed some $1 coins with the head side of the 10 cent coin on it instead. Okay. So at a glance, it looks fine. Yeah, you wouldn't really notice that you still got a head, you still got a tails, but the 10 cent piece is slightly smaller. It is, yeah. So that means the coin's got a double rim on it. Okay, yep, okay. There's a double rim and because the 10 cent coin's thinner, the plate, I guess, wasn't as... Thick? Thick, yep. So the one, this coin is a little bit thicker as well. It's got a double rim. Does that mean if you put it in a vending machine, it won't work? I don't know. You'd also be pissed because you just threw away a $4,000 coin. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got to be a $1 coin from the year 2000, but you got to look okay. for that double rim. Uh, if you follow the link, this is a, like I said, a news.com.au article written by Alex Turner-Cohen. There are some pictures there of what a regular $1 coin looks like and what a this coin looks like. Okay. So coin collectors call these coins mules. Like, I guess because a mule is a donkey, is a, what, a horse and a donkey mm-hmm. have a child and it's a mule. Mm-hmm. So I can see why, because it's like two different coins have a child and it's a mule. No one noticed for a year that these coins had been misprinted. But then when they did realize, it apparently caused quite a frenzy in the coin collecting community. Oh my God. Oh my God. I mean. What a scandal. I can't imagine there's much drama in that community, but sure. I don't know. Coin collecting is weird to me, but, but people do it. It's clearly worth a lot of money. It's like stamp collecting. I guess. But stamps are technically currency, so maybe it is the same thing. It is. Mm, interesting. So, currently, one of these mule coins from the year 2000 is up for sale for four hundred, sorry, 4250 Australian dollars. Fuck. On the international coin collecting website, The Purple Penny. Which I've never heard of. No, me either. But then again, I'm not a coin collector. Mm. It is worth noting, though, that the highest price that this particular coin has ever sold for on record is only $2,742.75. Mm-hmm. At that stage, one, someone just go, yeah, two fifty. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So That's that still was, a lot. That was four years ago. I'd still be stoked. Oh, yeah. Fucking trade a dollar coin for that much. Yeah, absolutely. The lowest one has ever sold for is still 450 bucks. 
That's still a good return so on investment. If you find in your possession this coin, just fucking sell it. It yeah. doesn't matter what you get for it. You're getting a good return. You're still getting more than a dollar. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, times are tough. People have lost their jobs. Everyone's struggling a little bit for money. If you're here in Australia, scramble around your house, look in your coin jars. You might have one of these coins. I was just, because I don't use cash personally ever. I was struggling to think about what's on the $1 coin. It's the kangaroos, right? No. No. Maybe. Which one? Which ones are? No, you're right, sir. It is the it is the kangaroos. The okay. two dollar coin is the one of the indigenous man on it, which is the one I was thinking of. I thought it was an echidna. Oh no, that's a five cent piece, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm so sorry. Yeah, the two dollar <laughs> coin has an indigenous Australian on it. Right. Yes. Okay. The one dollar coin's got kangaroos on it. Yes. And the queen on the other end. Or well, all the coins have the queen on the other end. That'll change soon. Will it? When she dies, yeah. Oh yeah. Does that mean that all of our coins have to get reprinted with whoever is um in charge? I don't which know. I'm assuming how it works. will be. Harry Styles. No. Oh. It can't be Harry because, well, he's like third in line. It's meant to go to Charles, isn't it? I wanted to say Philip, but then I realized that's the Queen's husband. (laughs) It would be Charles. Hmm. I know I'm Australian and Australians are meant to like love the fucking royal family or whatever, but I have no idea what's going on really. Yeah. Who cares about them? Lots of people, weirdly. It's fucking... Yeah, I don't know. People get real weird about the royal family mm. and I don't understand it. It's whatever. I don't but, care. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's my last quick little story at the end there. Okay, so keep an eye out for a weird $1 coin. You could make some... You could be sitting on. Yeah. Sizable payday. Did you have a look through your coin? I did. Because like, fuck, that's going to buy that new graphics card I want. <laughs> Here's the graphics card. I bought it for a dollar. <laughs> be a good story. It would have been. I could have put it on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, no luck. No. I wonder if that'll ever happen where we've just got a story we have to tell about something that happened in our lives that like, yeah, fuck me dead. Probably not anytime soon since we're no, sitting in No, nothing fucking happens in our lives. <laughs> From midnight tonight, we can finally stay out past 8pm until 9pm. Which means nothing to me since I don't leave the house anyway. Also, what are you going to do? There's fucking nothing open. Exactly. So what difference is it for? I don't Whatever. I think he's just doing it to appease people to try and shut them up a little well, bit. Well, I mean, this... I have to admit, over the past week, I've definitely heard a lot more noise around the curfew because apparently Dan Andrews didn't do it on health advice. It was to help out the police force. And apparently that makes him a very bad guy, which I don't really quite understand. But whenever's... (laughs) Yeah. Again, like, I don't really understand why the curfew makes that much of a difference. Anyway, there's nowhere to go. There is nothing to do. Just stay at home anyway. I gotta go get my nuggets. You can get them fucking delivered. Gotta go get my Macca's nuggets. I ain't paying the extra 10%. Or whatever it is to get nugs. It's like fucking six bucks. If you're that desperate for nugs, I'm sure you're going to pay it. Like, (laughs) I would. Scratching yourself like a meth addict. (laughs) Fucking guy crashed in the fucking police station. Now I can't get my meth. Got to get chicken nuggies. (sighs) Hey, I get it. It is is the McDonald's monopoly at the moment. Yes, very exciting. We should have McDonald's once this week. (laughs) Just for that. (laughs) God. Monopoly is an exciting time of year. Are you kidding me? (laughs) The annual Australian monopoly. Do they Dollars have that monopoly. in other countries? I don't know. Uh, they might not. Like, if you're um, an international <laughs> listener and you have no idea what we're talking about, about this time every year, McDonald's Australia prints like stickers and they play a monopoly game with. So you buy like a meal and on your drink there's two stickers, on your chips there's a sticker, and you pull them back and you win like a chance card or a monopoly card, like a a station or yeah. a, or one of the fucking streets or whatever they're called. I don't know the names of any of the streets in Monopoly because we had the New Zealand version. Oh, right. Okay. So I'm used to like fucking Rangitiki Station and other <laughs> shit. But you collect them and you can win prizes, apparently, yeah. and people go fucking nuts for it. Yeah, no, seriously. It is an event here. There's like 
yeah, it goes for about a month. There's like there's an app you got to download. There's a buy, swap, and sell thing. You can earn free oh, chips yeah. while you're doing it. There's like instant winners. I think the grand prize is like fucking jet skis and a fucking tank or something. I should admit, I don't even know what the grand prize is, but I want it. I never fucking win anyway, so. Me either, but that's not the point. I, I think, yeah, the people <laughs> who win either go to Maccas every fucking day or they're just trading the things online. But there's whole Facebook communities oh, yeah. centered around trading these fucking Monopoly things. I love, I love Monopoly. Like your the, best bet would probably so be good. just to go get get your Maccas and then sell your fucking cards online. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, normally I don't really eat Maccas that often. For takeaway, it is really nowhere near my top no. picks. But, but around Monopoly this time of season, year... <laughs> yeah. It kind of works because they, they did it once and then it came back and then it just became a yearly thing. So. Yeah. People love it. I love it. For no really, like, reason in particular. No, I, I will admit around this time of year, even though I don't give a shit about it, my Maccas consumption will go up. So clearly the marketing is working. Mm. <laughs> Because I'll like people at work will be like, because oh, I'll get fucking Macca's coffee on the way to work or something. Because mm. I go to work at like a ridiculous hour and it's the only place open. So there's two there and people like can have that. I guess you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna use those Monopoly stickers, bro? <laughs> can I just have a, I just need, I just need my fucking station, man. I need my, f- I really want to redeem. I mean, who's kidding? No one gets the fucking Apple snacks. I just want the fucking free chips. <laughs> Do you remember, I mean, this is such a side note, but do you remember before the app, you used to get a big paper Monopoly board that Did you, you put your stickers on? No. Yeah, you would. God. That was so, I actually like that better than the app, to That's be honest. a bit more fun. It is more fun. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sorry that we went on such a tangent about fucking Macca's right, Monopoly. This is going to be a really short episode. Okay. I hope you like Macca's Monopoly. <laughs> Let us know how you're doing. Maybe you could send us an email about it. Yeah. You can send that email to fmedeadpodcast at gmail.com. That's fmedeadpodcast at gmail.com. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at fuckmedeadpod to keep up to date on episodes released and more. Additionally, all the information I've just said can be found on our website, fuckmedeadpodcast.com, including a list of ways you can watch the show. Subscribe if you have the time and leave a review. Why did you say that? so creepy. I don't know. Maybe it'll work, though. <laughs> Let's find out. Actually, you know, I haven't checked our reviews in a really long time. Nifty. Let's just have a look at what's going on over there. Um, I don't use the podcast app with Apple. Why? It's just not like on my radar. I have it. I used to listen to um, Fuck Me Dead podcast. No way, that's ours. I used to listen to Hardcore History through there. <laughs> okay. We've I used it. to listen to ourselves before we were even a podcast. I think that wraps me up. You got anything else you want to add? Not really. I think we just wanted to kind of give a bit of a palate cleanser episode. I feel yeah. like recently we've been on a roll with aviation incidents, mm-hmm. <laughs> really bad raping and murdering. Like I feel like there's just been a lot of the same-ish kind of things, not to, you know, what's what I'm looking for, not to say that none of those things are important. Yeah. They're still, you not know. Not to downplay the like, seriousness of those issues. But. Exactly. Or that they're not good stories. just feel like it's been a bit same-same, so that's why I pick something, like, pick stories that are a bit different to the stuff I'd been doing. I'm a little bit concerned because I'm finally starting to run out of bookmarks again, so I think this week I'm going to have to dedicate a little bit of time every day to sit down and actually read the news again and find things. I have things. a reminder, like, three days a week to just sit and read the news to go to like five or six different websites and read what they've got going on which like sounds time consuming but not really it's when i like pick up a thread of something yeah. i'm like oh that's a good idea and then i fall down a rabbit hole that's where it gets time consuming <laughs> yeah usually for me it is just based purely on the headline yeah i have to admit i do make snap decisions go. about headlines sometimes it works out sometimes it really fucking yeah up. the worst one is you get a killer <laughs> headline and then it's like a two sentence story or it's uh, just like a dud of a story and you're like oh it's so disappointing because the headline was so good yep 
God damn it. <laughs> anyway, we won't take up any more of your time. Uh, thanks again for listening this week, and we'll be back at the same time next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.